0: Up for it with Courtney Ammenhauser. The best of the week.
1: By beef steak on God, snack
2: Nick Jordan is in the studio for snack time.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Maybe I should start singing just to reverse the tradition. Yeah,
2: I did have the urge just then to break out.: I saw I could yeah, see it in your I facial was like, expression you see it. <laughs> <laughs> But Nick, we're joined by a very special guest this morning. Avonsi Lamb is on the phone. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. Three people in one (laughs) little chat. How fun is that? Now, Yvonne, we're going to be talking about uh, restaurant names and an article that you wrote. Uh, We threw it to the listeners on 0409 945 945. I wanted you to reach out and let me know about any notable restaurant names, Um, good, bad, problematic, text us 0409 945 945 and Yvonne I've had a couple come through Uh, someone saying there's a place in D.Y. called the Dodgy Indian Mm. real dodgy
1: Mm. oh you know it depends hey and we'll probably talk about this more in the future but like Is that like, you know, a group of white guys who've opened a restaurant and called it the dodgy Indian because like, that's how they talk about Indian restaurants. And that's their experience of Indian restaurants. Or is it like an Indian person who's trying to reclaim that? Interesting. And be like, we actually, this isn't a dodgy Indian restaurant.
2: Yeah, that's it. Hey, well, there's another one here, which, you know, the most important part is of who is naming it and what, what that means to them. Um, Chris has texted me on 0409 945 945 saying, there used to be a Vietnamese restaurant at St. Leonard's Station called Low Fat.
0: Right. Depends how that was spelled because I guess from what I know, fat in Vietnamese means Buddha, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And lo could be, can mean something else in Vietnamese. And it could be a play on words um, or it could just be, you know, a Vietnamese um, restaurant owner naming the restaurant after Buddha. It's so hard to know without knowing who's running the restaurant.
1: Mm, It could just be like a really bad cafe that serves low-fat yoghurt and terrible muesli, and (laughs) and I I just don't want to go to a restaurant which has low-fat food.
2: (laughs) The spelling is L-O space B-H-A-T.
1: Okay, the latter is probably unlikely, (laughs) then.
2: But, you know, (laughs) this yoghurt bar, I mean, it's got legs, Nick. Um, Yvonne, you're the digital editor at Gourmet Traveller. Thanks for coming on today. Um, Nick, do you have any personal fave restaurant names? Uh,
1: I have kind of an all-time least favourite name. Ooh. Way to keep it positive. Hit me. Uh, gastropark. This was kind of a fudge. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yes. I don't want to eat that. Like,
1: I like the idea of it. They wanted to create a restaurant which was like going to a theme park so that's why they named it that. But it just has the unfortunate association of having like gastrointestinal issues. And that's never what you want to have on your mind when you're eating at a restaurant.
2: Never, no, never. no, you want to feel safe. In maybe,
1: that I guess maybe if you served <laughs> heaps of fermented stuff oh, and yeah. you're like, this is really good for your gut.
2: Gut health. Yeah. Gastropark.
1: <laughs> mm, That's still. a few
0: leaps and bounds you have to make to get there, right? Just yeah, you need to have branding
1: that. with <laughs> lots of little stomach bacteria looking happy. Well, like
0: like a Happy Harold diagrams of like a side profile of an oesophagus and a stomach. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> this is the icon of the restaurant.
2: Yeah, yeah. If yeah, anyone yum. needs
1: some business consulting, Yvonne and Courtney and I are available.
2: Yeah, we would love to name your restaurant. <laughs> Yvonne, do you have a favourite or a least favourite? Oh,
0: so in terms of good. Um, names. There's this cafe in Erskineville that I love called Fleetwood Macchiato, mm. and the pun is just so like delicious every time. Fleetwood Mac, great band. Macchiato is delicious coffee. Combine them, you have a cafe that's very good. Yes. And I know the owner, uh, one of the co owners, he's really really into puns as well. Um, so just kind of like all of it just makes sense. And, and it's been going strong. Delicious food. Also, like not too far from them, there's actually another cafe called One Another. That I really like just saying one another because it runs off the tongue really nicely. Mm. Also, a very good cafe. Mm. I think there's a
1: correlation
0: between good restaurant
1: good names. I'm good like, Ivana, <laughs> are you just naming places you like? <laughs> <laughs> I've always... I Look, I appreciate your opinion here, but I've always disdained both of those names. The first really? one because I'm crap at puns, and so people who use them just make me feel uncomfortable with my inadequacy of being bad at puns and being a writer. And one another is just really hard to Google for a long time. Like, you know, Uh, when I was, like, on the beat of, uh, you know, writing about new things, I was, like, going to write about this cafe, and then I just kept forgetting what the name was because I could never find it.
2: (laughs) We've got a message from Jeff. Uh, on oh four oh nine nine four five nine four five, saying there's a restaurant opening up on Parramatta Road called Snacky Chance. Speaking of puns. Mm. Again, I guess we need to know who's, who's <laughs> naming like, it, what's happening, <laughs> the story. Just no words. <laughs> yeah, and, just also like, okay. it, and also, what's like, what's in the
0: restaurant? That's is it, okay. is it like, is it paying homage to Jackie Chan, or are they kind of like denigrating him? Because he's a great guy. Rush Hour, great movie, <laughs> and generally, he he's the rest
2: of his IMDb category. Yes, uh, IMDb police history. story so
1: series, so good. <laughs>
2: mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like a restaurant that makes me feel like I'm going to have a really good time like, the Sunshine Inn. I'm like, mm. okay, I'm going to feel uh, happy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great name. And I like really yeah. simple ones, like uh, Ron's. In yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
2: I like, you know, there's a character. I'm like, who is Ron? Mm,
1: we were talking yeah. Yeah. earlier, before we came on air, about what we'd name our own restaurants. Courtney I was saying, it'd just be like, Courtney's. <laughs> <laughs> or just like the name of the street the restaurant is on. Yeah. What about you, Yvonne? Oh,
2: I'm,
0: oh, God. I'll probably just name it, like, Yvonne's. Yvonne's Asian restaurant <laughs> Yeah, that's probably, you know, just straight to the point. Yeah, really clear. Just to say be, what it is. What it is. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: factual. You it's don't want to put an adjective in there? Yvonne's no. great Best Asian ever. restaurant? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> World anyway, number one. <laughs> yeah,
1: this has all been very fun and silly, but there is a serious topic behind this, and we kind of indicated that in our little chat about the dodgy Indian. The article Yvonne wrote is called What's in a Name, The Power and Privilege Behind Problematic Restaurant Names. That was in the most recent edition of Gourmet Traveller, and I think just to kick us off in a more serious discussion, Yvonne, can you tell us a bit about why you wanted to write about this?
0: I guess when I was writing this for Gourmet Traveller, it's a story that's been in my mind for maybe burning away in the past year, it's just, um, I'm a food writer. So I do um, take note of restaurants that are cropping up or restaurants that have already been established. And I just kept seeing a few restaurant names where I was like, hey, this doesn't sit right with me. Um, And as a person of color who works in the industry, it seems weird that this issue hasn't been explored in more depth. So I'm gonna do it. So I did, I did. And it was not an easy story to write, but I'm glad it, it was being written about.
1: Mm, as, yeah, I would have had great anxiety writing on that topic. I mean, I feel that writing about anything kind of related to race politics. I, I know you interviewed some of the owners of some restaurants which have some problematic restaurant names. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. how did those interviews go? Were they very receptive to the kind of questions you're asking them? I
0: think on the whole, um, the restaurant owners, when I approached them, there were a few that I mentioned in the story. Um, they were largely okay with being um, with talking about the restaurant name. So, for example, there is a restaurant in um, Surry Hills, and there's a couple of locations in Sydney. It's a Vietnamese restaurant co-owned by a Vietnamese Australian, and it's called Madame Nhu. And Madame Nhu is a um, contentious figure in Vietnamese history. And um, basically, when I when I questioned the owner, we had a really lovely one-hour chat about the restaurant name. He was basically saying, look, Madame New, yes, she's a device um, figure in political history, but it's largely Western media and foreign media that have shaped how she's been represented in the history books. So for him, Madame, naming the restaurant Madame New was an opportunity for him to kind of um, rewrite how she's represented and kind of focus on the other things she did that work. didn't really make into the history books. The fact that she represented a time when there was a lot of upheaval in Vietnamese society, but it also was a time when there was a lot of movement from the north to the south and about the popularization of Bo in the Vietnam around that time. So for him naming the, the, the restaurant, that. Vietnamese food by a Vietnamese co-owner was kind of his opportunity to like take back the narrative about Madame Nguyen and how she's being represented. So he was so open to that conversation. There was another conversation I had with an, uh, a white owner of a um, modern Asian restaurant in the South Coast called Guilo. and in Cantonese and I and I'm pretty sure in Mandarin as well, Guilo or Guilo, um means white man. And historically, it's been a pejorative term that's been used uh, mm. in Hong Kong to describe white people. But it, over time, it's been used as more of a playful term. So the white owner described that, you know, this is um, like a, f- like my fun and playful and tongue-in-cheek way of being a white owner of an Asian restaurant. So he was actually really open to describing that. There were a couple of restaurants where it was a bit harder to approach them, and I did get some um, bit of uplift blowback from them Um, and that's unfortunate but I guess it's also not surprising because when you build your enterprise on a restaurant um, and a restaurant name and you see success for someone from mainstream media to question you about it it makes you defensive straight away and so there are certain restaurants where I, I, I didn't really have comfortable conversations with them but it's Not
2: unexpected, really. Yeah, we're chatting to Yvonne C. Lamb, the digital editor of Gourmet Traveller, and we're talking about restaurant names. We want to hear from you. uh, What are the most notable restaurant names to you? 0409 945 945. Good, bad or problematic? Someone here saying uh, a restaurant at the Uluru Resort Village called Air's Wok. That's from Joe. Um, another person uh, saying that in Hazelbrook there's a WikiLeaks cafe, mm. <laughs> and it has a mural of Julian Assange on it. I what? What
1: mean, that's I, just. I, heard r- they,
2: I really heard they serve Ecuadorian food. That would be.
0: <laughs>
2: that's, that's the real question here, uh, Claudia from Barra, Can you let us know if they do? Yes. Can
1: you do some investigating report, investigating reporting, please?
2: <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, Yvonne, you've written a piece for Gourmet Traveller about names of restaurants. And we were just chatting before about the piece. You spoke to a few restaurant owners and you also talked to some academics on language and race Mm -hmm. and culture. Mm -hmm. How Mm -hmm. did those conversations shape your thinking and the article?
0: Um, Super illuminating. I mean, I think on a baseline, there's a general knowledge about the power of language. Um, and I think anyone who's been on the receiving end of racism especially um, knows about how words and language, either written or spoken, can cause harm. But the academics I've spoken to um, are really well versed in like the intersection of um, race, um, representation, and then I asked them to speak specifically about restaurants as well. So um, the academics I spoke to, there was one particular academic called... Um, Dr. Cesar Torres, um, from Swinburne University, and he researches Mexican cartels and the impact of these drug cartels on Mexican society. He's a Mexican. He's born. He was born in Mexico, but re- resides in Melbourne currently. So I asked him specifically about uh, a restaurant that I mentioned in my story called Cartel, that's open in Sydney, which builds itself as a South American restaurant, but it also has. Um, you know, tacos, margaritas on the menu. And I guess cartel, um, when it opened, I was like, um, why doesn't this sit right with me? And I, and I went to um, Dr. Aldo and to explain it, and he was saying, look, in, in Mexico, cartel activity is so embedded in the society there. There is actually a, a subculture called narco-cultura, which is about glamorizing cartels because the Mexican government can't really control the cartels, that so the cartels almost become this quasi-government. They, because they're so um, lucrative, they actually spend, invest a lot of money in schools and hospitals, and it's, it's a bit of a broken system. So um, there are sections of Mexican society that actually um, like cartel activity because of the income it brings and the way that it kind of um, supports society as well. But he was saying this sort of narco culture is really, um, has expanded globally. You look at shows like Breaking Bad, um, Narcos, where um, the war on drugs is kind of um, made to be this shiny Hollywood production. And then we get a restaurant called Cartel in Sydney. It's another example of that narco culture. Um, But what it does is that it desensitizes people here, abroad, about um, the death and destruction that's wrought by these cartel wars, and he he recited all these statistics about um, how many people have died, how many people have been trafficked, how many people have um, suffered at the hands of drug cartel activity. And he says the name like cartel is really dangerous for perpetuating this sort of um, valorization of drugs, uh, drug cartel figures, um, and it's it's really bad because, it, it, one, it, it glamorizes act, the activity, but two, it also talks about Mexican society and culture in this really parochial, um, myopic,
1: yeah, one-dimensional
0: yeah. mm-hmm. way, and he, he wants less of that to happen.
1: Do you think there's kind of a parallel here with some of the restaurants which have names that are mocking Asian languages where... Potentially some of those individuals have precedents, like cultural precedents to appreciate some dishes in Asian cuisine. You know, maybe they've traveled overseas. Mm-hmm. They've had someone be like, hey, have you tried a laksa before? It's really delicious. But they've mm-hmm. never been invited to different, mm-hmm. to appreciate different cultures. Like there, mm-hmm. there aren't just many, to use a corporate term, like touch points in society <laughs> where someone who isn't, you know, It doesn't have access to different Asian cultures to learn about languages and appreciate them. And maybe the opposite. They've actually had some examples of, of, you know, making fun of those languages and mocking them. And it makes me think of there's a video in that's embedded in your article, Yvonne, where it's like two of the restaurant owners speaking about why they chose to name their restaurant and they name a scene from Austin Powers where they're... I mean, sorry, um, the other Mike Myers film. (laughs)
0: Shrek? (laughs) Not Shrek. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Where there's, like, some mocking of Asian language, and that to them was, like, inspiration for the name of the restaurant, which Mm. is kind of a a, a joke to them. Mm. Right,
0: right. So I think with this particular restaurant in question... um, they they are uh, four white owners who uh, r- run a run a modern Asian restaurant and have named their restaurant after a scene in Wayne's World. And yes, it's like you said, Nick, it's it's mockery of um, uh, particular Asian restaurants. To to my mind, it's perhaps East Asian languages that they're mocking their restaurant is about Southeast Asian food. So already there's kind of this weird-like disjoint about which area of Asia are you referencing. And for me as an Asian-Australian, it kind of sits really uncomfortably because um, it's funny that you mentioned the food because I, uh, I, in my story I don't really kind of extensively critique the menu or the dishes or how well these um, chefs, maybe cooking their food and that's not really what the story is about. This, the story is about how um, their engagement with the food is quite surface in the sense that you know they probably know how to the ins and outs of, of making a roti or how to make a curry or how to make a somtam but they I, I think they're not going deeper into the culture and the history and the people and the place behind southeast asian food. So in my mind the food is a product that can be um, adapted and sold and profited off, but the people, the labor behind the dishes, they're of it. They're lost, mm-hmm. right? And once, the, and once that happens, once the human faces behind the cuisine are lost, um, it's an, then it's an easy to take the next step. Like, I like South Asian food, Southeast Asian food. Well, you know, let, let me scatter the room with um, Street Fighter figures. Let me scatter random Chinese characters on the walls, even though Japanese and China are in East Asia again. Um, and then let's 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 put oil, um let's put bamboo around our restaurant. Let's um, have a mural that has a person in a conical hat, like a tuk tuk. Yeah, it's just it's all hard. these like it's all these quite tokenistic, I yeah. think, representations of Southeast Asia that actually go the opposite way of what they're trying to do. They're trying to um, the effect for me is that it's, it's kind of flatten, flattening and homogenizing Southeast Asia, East Asia, countries that have, you know, so many diverse cultural groups, so much rich history. And it kind of becomes this like two-dimensional tableau. And in a way for me, it's, it's, it's a mockery of, of Asia it it, it is a mockery of Asia and and, and it's the branding it's the food um, uh, sorry it's the branding, it's the logo it's it's the restaurant name and I think um, this restaurant that I talk about it's not the only one that does it it's actually on the whole a problematic thing in the restaurant industry where um, representation of quote unquote ethnic cuisines really others the people that they're taking their cuisines from, and it it needs to be talked about a lot more in Australian media, in Australian society, and the Australian restaurant industry.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. particularly when we're in a situation where there's we're in a situation where a lot of people, you know, people of colour who are opening restaurants may not have the opportunity to open a restaurant like that with the amount of capital it takes to fit out a restaurant or even charge the mm-hmm. prices that. Some of yeah. these restaurants who have the privilege of doing that mm. are mm. doing, it, you you stratify things a bit and it makes it even more uncomfortable and more problematic.
2: Yeah, we're speaking to Yvonne Silam, the digital editor at Gourmet Traveller. Oh, I could talk to you all day about this, but we do have to wrap it up. For anyone who wants to read the article, where can they go? Um this the story is in
0: the current issue of Gourmet Traveller magazine and you can also find the story online at Gourmet. If you just Google Gourmet Traveller, you'll find it there.
2: Beautiful. Um, we'll, yeah. po- we'll pop a link up on our website as well, fbiradio.com. Thanks again, Yvonne, and thank you, thank Nick. You. We'll uh, finish it with a song that you've selected.
0: Yes, it's a song. I am afraid I won't be able to pronounce it properly, but it's about Som and it's a recipe for Som Tam rendered in Thai form.
2: Delicious. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, for having me. See ya.
0: Produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. FBIRadio.com.